Welcome to Prima's 2017 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education and Training at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Richard Spears will discuss the influence of claim settlement. Richard has been in the insurance industry since 1980. He has extensive nationwide experience handling a wide array of claims faced by public entities, K-12 school districts, and the higher education sector. A graduate of Northern Illinois University, Richard is a member of the Society of CPCU and holds associate designations in risk management and reinsurance. He has been developing and presenting insurance industry-related training sessions to a variety of client and industry groups for over 25 years. We will also be joined by Taekwon Gilbert, a member of Prima's education and training team. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast, Richard. You're welcome. How about we get started? Mm-hmm. Do I have to settle every claim? Well, that's a good question. This question is rising up more and more often. And, and this, what we're talking about today is not just the highly publicized police-related cases. This is cases that can realm from auto losses to um, you know, uh, something that sounds like a pretty small case. You know, the police cases, the sexual molestation cases, and employment-related cases tend to grow over time these days. But uh, what I'd like to share is just some of the things to think about when you're considering whether to take it all the way through the trial or to try to resolve it before trial. And this is not designed to say every case should be settled, because sometimes you do have to take a case to trial. Sometimes the demands are so high or the facts are so much strong in the favor of the defense that it's worth going to trial. But there's, we'll go over some of the things to consider when making that decision. What aspect should I consider while making a decision? Ah, okay. Um, there, there's several important things. Uh, first of all, one of the things is, is your reputation. Uh, sometimes a town or a county or something can have a reputation of, of similar type cases that have been publicized and things like that, and the, uh, the public attention can be bad. One way that I've always looked into that is when, when we get a case reported, I try to go on the internet and find a newspaper article and look at the comments that people put in after the story. Um, I had a case a couple of years ago, it was a taser-related case out in the Midwest, and, and uh, after the story about it, the uh, people were putting in there, oh, they tased another guy, and oh, I heard last week they tased a dog, and oh, I, you know, things like that. So it's showing that there's a reputation that has to be put on the list of things to consider. Another thing, too, is the plaintiff attorney's reputation. Sometimes these plaintiff attorneys are well-known, and they can generate a higher exposure just by uh, just by having their name attached to the case. And then, of course, you have to consider the venue that you're in. In some states, you know, the, the certain venues can be a little more liberal than other jurisdictions. And then if you're in federal court, one of the big issues to consider is, you know, even if the jury awards the plaintiff just a small verdict, the plaintiff attorneys will be filing for their fees. And many times they ask for uh, millions of dollars and the judge doesn't always approve what the plaintiff attorney looks for, but they do normally grant them a percentage of what they ask for, and which can be pretty high. 
And then another thing to consider, the immunities and tort caps. They can apply, and many times they do, but also many times uh, they are overruled in the courtroom. Sometimes the judge will not grant the immunities, and he'll say that's a jury decision to make, and it uh, depends on the factors and also the publicity that was surrounding the case. And another thing, a couple other things to consider, the cost of defense through trial. Sometimes it can cost almost as much to defend the case as it could to settle it beforehand. It might even be less to settle it beforehand if you can get it to the settlement table. And uh, it's always good to get have your attorney um, provide a budget uh, if you're using outside counsel to get a budget of what the cost could be through trial. And then there, and then there are other things, the uh, publicity that is surrounding whatever the event is. I'm sure all of you have seen, uh, this is not a public entity case, but that United Airlines case where they dragged that guy off the plane and, you know, that has generated so much uh, issues around the country regarding uh, the way they're handling planes and things like that. And those are the kind of things that can generate issues with the surrounding group that could be your jury pool. So it's important to to, uh, watch that too. And if it shows up on CNN or some other you know national news or local news, even in a surrounding community of something that's a similar uh, like, uh, occurrence, then that can also help um, move a jury in the direction closer to the plaintiff. And then also, um, it would be good to check if you do have a case to to go online and just look and see if there's ever verdicts on similar type cases. Um, around around the country or in your general area, because many times uh, verdicts have come out that are very similar circumstances. So it'll give you an idea of what you could consider for a jury to come through on that. One other thing I, I wanted to add um, is when you do decide to take a case to settlement rather than trial, putting real money on the table can generate a response from the plaintiffs much faster than you expect. You know, a lot of these families that are involved in cases are, uh, you know, are financially in stress, sometimes because of long-term medical costs and things like that. And when they know they can get their money in less than a couple of weeks rather than a couple of years going through the trial stage, it can do it. And, you know, the plaintiffs do have the authority over their attorneys. Sometimes their attorneys convince them that they're going to get multi-million dollars, but sometimes they can overrule what, you know, if they can get some real money. And, um, you know, sometimes when there are pending motions in the court, it can open the door to settlement. Um, if a summary judgment motion has been filed or if immunity has been filed. Sometimes you don't have to wait for the court to decide, but sometimes that can get you the people more willing to consider listening for settlements. So before you before you decide to set up a settlement meeting, you know you, you have to choose a mediator, and and uh, normally your defense counsel will have a good idea of who to use on that, and then also try to learn what you can about the plaintiff and the family. And uh, you know if it's a deceased plaintiff, obviously the family's important, but. Um, we've had cases where we've learned things, like we had one case a few years back where we learned that the plaintiff's family was involved a student who who was involved in a in an auto accident, but the family wanted to move to another town, and we were able to get a good idea of what it would cost for them to move in the house, the general cost of a house in the area they wanted to move, and and we started negotiating at that level, and that got their real attention. We got the case resolved. And both sides were were happy with the resolution. We saved a lot of money on the case, but the family was was really happy about obtaining the money that they got. So that's a area to consider, and and uh, and you develop a you know you want to have a talk before you go to the settlement 
to develop where you want to start and and where you want to stop in the case you know and that and try to obtain a demand from the plaintiff attorney to see where they're going. So there, there's a lot of things to consider, but that's another area to, to make sure you discuss with your carrier. So in today's world, with all the publicity that's going around on, on these kind of cases, it's really good to, to just work to try to resolve it as economically as possible. And sometimes that does result in a trial. Sometimes you can get a not guilty verdict, but most of the cases that get to my level very rarely get to the not guilty stage. But it it's worth con- making considerations on whether to whether to settle it or try to settle it or then just defend it through the trial stage. Will immunities and tort caps apply? You know, on, on paper, they they should. Um, a lot of times uh, they, they should, but a lot of times, you know, most of the cases that I get, you know, are pretty large exposure cases, uh, uh, highly publicized cases. And on, on those kind of cases, the uh, a judge will normally not grant the immunities and uh, because of the the huge amount of publicity, the, the you know the media normally is putting in negative aspects of cases rather than the positive aspects, and and uh, so it's hard sometimes that. But it, it is worth filing a motion on, on any case to see if the immunities will apply because, and sometimes on paper they really look like they should. But um, most of the cases that that I get involved with, the immunities get overridden by the by the court. You know, the plaintiff attorneys are good at filing reasons why the tort cap should not apply. I mean, the immunities or the tort cap should not apply. But it's it is worth trying to get that done. Yes. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here are some words from Prima's member services manager, Danica Williams, regarding Prima membership benefits. Prima is a membership organization dedicated to advancing the knowledge and practice of risk management in the public sector. Prima members come from a diverse range of disciplines, entity types, sizes, and share a variety of titles, including risk manager, human resources professional, workers' compensation coordinator, employee benefits coordinator, claims administrator, safety personnel, risk pool administrator, just to name a few. Despite their titles, there is one resounding theme among these individuals, and that is that they manage risks within their entity and importantly, risks affecting the public interest. Prima members enjoy a robust array of educational programming, risk management resources, and networking opportunities. Some of Prima's member benefits include access to blogs, podcasts, webinars, Prima's job bank, Prima's online community where members have the ability to connect, share, and solicit information directly from their colleagues, Prima's library of risk management documents, Prima's flagship publication, the Public Risk Magazine, and member discounts to all Prima events and training. Becoming a Prima member is one of the most worthwhile career investments a risk management practitioner can make not just for themselves, but for their entire entity. To learn more about Prima member resources, visit primacentral.org. Now back to Richard and Taekwon. What economic areas should be kept in mind? Okay, there's there's a lot of those. Um, obviously, I, I think I already mentioned the uh, you know the cost of defense. Um, sometimes offers are made that are you know a cost of defense in that realm i mean it can sometimes cost you know a million dollars or more to to defend cases that last for a long time and so it it's good to do that also there are other aspects that that can uh can 
generate costs. You know, if it's a case where you have to um, have your uh, employees or or anybody testify in court, you know, there there is uh, things there that you know you would have to pay the employee wages from their lost time at work, the uh, defense attorney fees, and and uh, the you know they'll they'll sometimes bring in experts to uh, investigate what happened, and so you have expert fees and uh, other things that can be can generate economic issues are when when a case gets a case happens that generates a lot of negative publicity that can help i mean that can get people not to be willing to come visit your community or or do anything there that uh, could generate some loss of economics for your local businesses and things like that um, we've seen that happen in several of our uh in several of our towns too and um that's why it's it's good to uh just start considering all these costs that could be associated with the case. And sometimes cases can be resolved for, for numbers way less than that. And we'll, we'll get into that in a little detail later. Who should be involved in making the ultimate decision? That's another question I think that is good. Obviously, you know, your defense counsel should have experience in, in the kind of case that they're defending, and their opinions are very important. You know, I always like to tell our clients, I don't want you to be real good in some of these cases because that means you've had to go through a lot of them. But but um, I think it's also good for them, you know, for the city council. Sometimes the city council is involved or, or the, the mayor and the police that are involved or whoever else is involved with the type of case it is. And so it's good to get the opinions of everybody that, that have some involvement in this on what they think about the value or, or they think about the, the possible liability. Obviously, defense counsel is important and to remember, but another good place to, to uh, engage the conversation and it is with your insurance carrier. They've had experience on cases like this all around the country in different venues, and they may have even dealt with that with the uh, plaintiff attorney that you're dealing with. So that can help. So uh, we like to set up conference calls in a case, you know, just to discuss potential settlement or or taking it to trial and going over all the things that that need to be considered. So it's good to get opinions from from people all, all around you, not just obviously the defense counsel's opinion is probably the strongest opinion since they have been involved with the most of them. But it's good to see where other people are coming from too, because when you think about it, the jury that might be selected is going to think. You can't really trust on the jury to think exactly the way the defense attorney is thinking. So you have to uh, consider, you know, who's, where your jury pool is coming from and what they might be thinking. And so it would be good to get opinions from, from other people that have been uh, had some knowledge of the case. So those are some of the things to think about. And uh, there are other things that can be done to to help make the decision on these on these cases. You know, there there are things known as mock juries, and also um, another thing that's starting to grow the usage of is called a focus group. You know, a mock jury is is set up. You know, from normally with people from that general area that could come out of the jury pool, and then they uh, they do a. a a fake trial in front of the the jury and and then you can hear most of the time there's normally three different groups and and then uh you know they're given the case the way it would be tried in court you know the defense attorney 
I mean, the plaintiff attorney would not be involved in this, but the defense attorney would present their case, and then they'd normally bring in one of their partners at, to act as the plaintiff attorney. And then they, a lot of times they videotape the as the people on the mock juries are talking about the case. Now, mock juries are not the cheapest thing in the world, so it does cost a little money, but if it's a big case, sometimes it doesn't hurt to hear what, what the thought process is. I had a case several years ago where we did bring in a mock jury on a case that it was an auto-related case that did not appear to be a high liability case, but the mock jury came up with lots of big dollars on it based on a small factor that didn't seem to have a big in the impact on the case, but they did. So it was a case that we ended up taking to the settlement table and we got it resolved for a, for an amount. And then another thing that's been, uh, there have been new things called focus groups where it's a, it's a, another group of, of local people that have brought in and no attorney is involved in this. The focus group has like a moderator who comes in, presents the factors of the cases and all that, and then just has a, a group discussion to see what, what people would think. And and those aren't necessarily uh, as expensive as a mock jury might be, but sometimes those are worthwhile to do too. So it, it's always good to look into the the potential verdict, and that's that's where you can get a good idea where it comes from, because of the uh, you know what what these people who are who could be part of the jury pool are thinking, and uh, so in the, you know when you go to a verdict uh, potential when you're when you're doing that that will give you an idea, and. Uh, one thing I always like to say about when you're doing a verdict search and things like that, you have to look beyond just that particular lawsuit that's in front of you because you have to look at the bigger sphere of, of influence that could be around. You know, say if you had something happen in a nearby town or or if you had more than one type of case in the last couple of years in, in your town and you, you, you know, allegedly you're supposed to be tried by a jury of your peers, but you cannot, you cannot really rely on that jury to think about the case exactly the way you do on it. So those are, those are things to talk about, but it's good. And, and, uh, another thing to consider when you're considering whether to settle or try a case, you know, is, is the media impact that a, uh, that a jury, I mean, that a trial could generate, you know, the media has been getting involved in so many cases regarding towns and cities and school districts and things like that, that, that no matter what happens, it normally makes the news and it's public, public record. So they always are searching for it. And, and sometimes when a case gets settled, that generates negative publicity from, you know, first of all, maybe the town didn't want to settle it or, or, or whatever, but, um, uh, you know, sometimes it's better to have to explain to the media a $100,000 settlement uh, rather than a, a multi-million dollar verdict, because sometimes that can happen. And and that's another thing to engage your carrier on, you know, is their, their history of cases just to see, you know, how many they've tried and how many have come out that way. And sometimes a large verdict or a verdict that makes the news can generate a negative precedent for for the town. Um, We've had employment-related cases that have gone to a trial, and the verdict came back much higher than anticipated. And then all of a sudden, other city employees and and uh, started filing their own claim on it. And another thing to also consider, if you're if you want to take it to trial, make sure that you have sufficient limits. That's another thing that's happened. We've had some cases that have gone to trial. And the verdict came in much higher than anticipated at a level higher than the limits 
that the carrier had for the town. So the town was put on the hook for some additional money. And that's something also to be uh, really concerned about. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, Richard and Taekwon. Please visit the Prima website to listen to other Prima podcasts, join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have a great day.